happy Thanksgiving to all our American friends and happy top of the championship to everyone else. It wasn't the best night of the season on Wednesday as a much depleted and Mitrovic less Fulham drew nil-nil with Derby County at the cottage. But given that Bournemouth and West Brom both drew two, we can chalk this up as a valuable point where no harm was done under very testing circumstances. As per usual, we're here to go back over the game with your regulars Wigo and Matt Dom co-piloting. We'll also have a look ahead to what we think we can expect from Preston away on Saturday lunchtime too. Silence by the Rams. My name is Matt Boisclair and this is your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. All right, lads. Well, not the result we expected or hoped for, obviously. Not helped by the unexpected decimation of the squad due to illness. Wigo, thoughts? Well, it was initial shock, really, when I first saw the lineup. I did have to slap myself a couple of times to check I was awake. And then I did question how many drinks I'd had because uh, I thought <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was uh, in the right place. I couldn't believe it. I, but there'd been no indication of it. So, um, yeah, it comes a bit of a shock. But obviously, looking at the lineup, we were only sort of really missing Mitrovic and Rodak. And then uh, obviously seeing Gazaniga back in the team was a bit of a worry at first but um yeah it was it was fine we've got the depth for a reason the squad's there to be used so um yeah it was fine obviously it was a bit of an initial concern but um yeah overall it was fine yeah it would have been nice to have a bit of warning wouldn't it that you know by the way our main man is uh is ill for this one and um that keeper who's uh he's made a lot of difference yeah he's not playing either but Nothing could be done by the sounds of it. Um, hopefully, it's just a short-term illness thing. Uh, back in at the weekend, we missed we missed Mitchell as that focal point. Is all you can really say. <laughs> we we expected that's what what would happen when we saw that lineup. Perhaps a bit harsh on Hector as well because he's played well. Um, but you can understand Tosin coming straight back in because he's he's you know the first choice there. Yeah. Other than that, if, if those players aren't in, then there were sensible replacements, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, Wigo, you and I were sat in the pub before the game, weren't we? And I think it was you that showed me your phone with the lineup on it. And I genuinely thought you were taking the piss. You went, Gazaniga's in. There's no Mitrovic. And I was like, yeah, nobbit. Come on, let's have a look. Hang on a minute. What is going on here? Um, there was, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. What um, Marco Silva's pre-match press conference, he's not going to sit there and, you know, give that kind of information out willy-nilly, is he? You know, it's one of those things that you, you want to spring a surprise on people right before the game. But, yeah, it's, with with Derby's tails being up with that win against Bournemouth at the weekend as well, and the way that they played and the way that they have been playing, they don't concede that many goals. For our, for our top striker to be out, I feared the worst, if I'm honest with you. And, and it wasn't too bad, all right, nil-nil is it's not, not the end of the world. But I, I did have in the back of my mind that wouldn't surprise me if we lost this but thankfully we probably should have won the game shouldn't we we had enough good chances but um you just mentioned there about um obviously Gazaniga and um and and Muniz and then Michael Hector being being left out in place of Tosin who was back from the from his ban and we we kind of talked about that the other day as well who would come in so it's obvious that Tosin is the first choice centre-back even if Michael Hector plays a blinder also, Tom Kearney wasn't in the squad as well, so he must be ill. And I think Marco Silva also said that Bobby Reid was struggling with illness as well. Otherwise, he may have made the team. He may have played up front. He may have started instead of Muniz. Who knows if he'd have been fully fit. So we did have to use the squad, and that's what it's there for. Derby rejuvenated, of course, by the win against Bournemouth on Sunday. They're in a false position at the bottom of the table in terms of the quality they have on the pitch, aren't they? 
this coupled with the fact that Mitro was missing meant that it just wasn't an easy game. Fabio Carvalho went close from distance early on. His shot always looked like it was going wide, but then Seri hit one, uh, the hit the hit the stanchion as well. Though Derby did well, didn't they, to restrict us to long range efforts? Yeah, they did. I think you could see the way they lined up. They were very, very much two kind of defensive walls in midfield, and the defence just not allowing us to have any space. And given that that's it tends to be where we quite often struggle, and we we certainly struggled playing against that type of football when we got promoted last time but even so I think on balance you look at that and think we've they've they've still got away with the point however well they played there's only one team that really ever looked like winning that um and on another day we probably could have scored three uh it just wasn't quite to be um but but no harm really done uh, it would have been awful it felt like towards in the in the, in the final 10 minutes it looked Every inch, like it was going to be one nil them, didn't it? I think the way the way it was going on, you just thought they're going to they're going to counter and 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 hit the winner. They didn't. It could have been worse. Just one of those games. I think not the end of the world at all. They did have a, a really good chance early on, Wigo, didn't they? There was that Tom Lawrence chance. I think Seri might have done a bit better in nullifying the attack in midfield. He kind of half heartedly dangled a leg and didn't didn't particularly make a very good tackle. Then Tim Ream maybe went to ground and sold himself a bit too easily too in, in trying to block it. But Gazaniga, unconvincing save from him as well, where he kind of, kind of squirmed under his body and went wide. How do you think he played overall on his return to the side? Well, he kept a clean sheet. So that is kind of the overall picture of it. Clean sheet, another point. So it was the attackers really that, you know, not let us down. That's probably a bit harsh. Didn't really do their job yesterday and put the ball in the net. But um Made a couple of decent saves. That saved it. I did have my heart in my mouth because I thought it had gone in. And I was like, oh, my God. he Like, this can't be happening. But, yeah, just about squirm wide. So, I think he got a bit lucky. I thought his kicking was actually quite good yesterday, to be fair. You know, he tended to find a Fulham shirt, which was handy, and it wasn't going out of play. Um, so, you can't knock him for that. But, yeah, overall, he was pretty solid. Ream in front of him had a particularly good game as well to kind of uh, help stop you know, a flurry of shots. So um, absolutely fine. Nothing to, nothing like the Coventry game, which is, uh, which is good. <laughs> that game gets mentioned every show, doesn't it? I think it will do for the rest of the season as well. Then we looked on the bench, didn't we, when we were sat in the pub? We were like, who on earth is Lass, the, the substitute goalkeeper? Never heard of him. Where's Fabry? But I guess Fabry just wasn't included in the, in the squad. So we had to play work uh, or include one of the kids. And we said, didn't we, it's going to be, it's going to happen. Gazaniga's either going to get injured or he's going to get sent off and then we're going to end up with this kid in goal. <laughs> Poor old Fabry. I mean, he's finally got his chance to get on the bench again. He's ended up he's ended up catching whatever whatever was going around. It's like the first thing he's caught for Fulham in about four <laughs> way, years. Last, <laughs> I mean, I've literally no idea where he came from. There's people on, on Twitter saying, oh, it's got to be the initials of some... Luca Ashby Hammond or something. I was like, well, for a start, that doesn't make sense because that isn't isn't even the right initials. Anyway, um, Gazaniga is is probably a decent stand-in. I mean, on the odd game, if he comes in like today, plays all right, so be it. But it's when he has a run of games, I think he starts to lose his concentration a bit. But it's good to know we can rely on him if uh, if Rodak gets injured again. Well, there's been shouts for Cabano to take the free kicks from this very podcast recently. And we got our wish just on the half hour mark. Cabano's effort from distance, cannon straight into the wall. Wrong footed the derby keeper, Kel Roos, but the stopper managed to scramble across goal to turn the ball around for a corner. 
disappointingly, it's about as close as we came to scoring in the first half. We go, isn't it? I, I can't think of any other chances apart from that Seri one, which which hit the stanchion, and a couple of other half chances. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I mean, I've been calling for Cabano to take free kicks quite a lot, and you know, brilliant free kick, nearly wrong footed the keeper, fantastic. Um, yeah, really well worked. It, it was a, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty blunt, wasn't it, in the first half? Um, pass the ball around a little bit. Derby had their chances. Yeah, as you say, with that Seri shot and then the free kick is kind of as close as it got. It was a really good save from the keeper as well because you could see him going over to his left-hand side. So for him to be able to actually scramble back and get round, get that and then uh, put it round for a corner was uh, very good. And their keeper did have a brilliant game. So, um, yeah, fair play to him. Brilliant save. Um, but he didn't have much to do in the first half, really. So, yeah, it was the second half where his performance really showed. But, uh, yeah, it was unlucky, really. Yeah, the second half we did create more. I mean, Carvalho had a good chance at the beginning, which Roos got down well to and held on to. Then Cabano's shot on the turn was blocked by Phil Jagielka. Then Carvalho hit the post on the turn. And that was a brilliant piece of skill, actually, taking it down with one foot and just turned on a sixpence and effortlessly just... Oh, I thought it was in at the time. But it, it, it like at the time... When you're kind of emotionally invested in the game and you know you're on your feet shouting and screaming, you don't necessarily appreciate those fine little moments of skill. But watching that again, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed watching it, and unfortunately, it just didn't quite quite happen for him in terms of scoring. We had 21 shots all in all, though, just five on target. We say that we can survive without Mitrovic and that our goals come from all over the pitch, but if we're honest, we missed Mitrovic, didn't we? Of course we did. I mean, who's not going to miss 21 goals? striker it's funny because we, we've seen Moon is play off the bench a few times and he's looked decent and he's got a, a good sort of goals to minutes ratio but it, he didn't quite look ready to start did he when uh, at the end of the 90 minutes do you think he's had a few moments there's a couple of times where he's turned the defenders a few chances I mean he really genuinely could have got two or three uh if his finishing was better but he just didn't dominate that the defenders like Mitrovic would have done. I think Mitrovic would have had a field day against that defence. Fair enough, Jagielka and Curtis Davis, old old heads, good defenders, but Mitrovic, is that's his bread and butter. He really likes to attack defenders like that. So it was a shame. Uh, he played all right, but looking at that, we wouldn't really want to be without Mitrovic for too long. Um, Fabio, I thought, Fabio had a, a weird game, actually. He was kind of playing off off Muniz and he was he was involved in everything. I thought he probably had more touches than anyone. Uh and he played some really good football in the in the in the build up, but his finishing wasn't quite there. His his passing in the final third wasn't quite there. Um it was kind of borderline excellent, but in the end he just didn't quite make the right decision. Uh, but I guess that's what happens when you you're a teenager, you know. Those those two lads up front were very young. Uh, and, it, and it did show, and um, we couldn't quite break him down. But yeah, Muniz looks like a good option from the bench, but he's he's no Mitrovic, is he? Not at this point. Just sort of carrying on your point from Carvalho there, it felt like everything was, we were trying to do everything through him because it wasn't making as many errors, I felt. All right, some of the players were ill and they still played, and fair enough to them, you know, they still played, you know, replayed 60 minutes, Wilson played 78 and Robinson played 90. But the passing in itself was pretty atrocious from all round. I mean, Tosin's crossfield balls were horrendous. Can't really remember how many went out of play, but quite a few did. And, you know, Seri played a few blind passes as well. All right, it happens. 
you know, it was an off day, but um, it did feel like everything was going through Carvalho. And a couple of times he broke through and he would manage, you know, he's only little to beat some Derby players, you know, with strength and pace was brilliant. And then second half, I think you could tell he was a bit knackered because he was getting pushed off the ball a bit easily. It just felt like he was our own, he was our focal point because yeah, the wingers absolutely. were having an off day and so was everyone else. Yeah, you, you can't can, carry you... a whole team. No, exactly. You, you can see, looking at that performance, you can see why there's so many teams rumoured to be interested in him. As as you say, that kind of where he can he can draw two players onto him, control it and turn and then get away from them so easily. He did that so many times and there's such a good quality player in there. And obviously it's just going to be, it's going to take a bit of time. But with, when that experience comes and he becomes more consistent, he's going to be some player, he really is. Just coming back on to Rodrigo Muniz just for a second. Do you remember when we were when we were linked with him at the beginning of the season, and um, obviously we went top of the league. Then we didn't really know how we were going to how this season was going to pan out. Obviously, we still don't, but we've we've got an idea based on based on where we're sat at the moment. But we kind of said that he's a young striker, doesn't speak any English, coming from another country. He's going to need a bit of time, and it's been quite nice actually to see how he's just been he's been used quite sparingly. He's come on, he's scored a few goals, but. As soon as the emphasis is on him to to score the goals to win games because Mitrovic is isn't fit, then I don't really think he's ready yet. With that in mind, I'm kind of looking towards the Preston game. Maybe Mitrovic won't be read, ready to play that one as well. Would either of you start Muniz again against Preston? I mean, I, I think he probably will start. I think it might do more harm than good to leave him out confidence-wise. But if we want to go out and win this game, I, I may look towards Bobby Reid personally. I think it's difficult because, you know, he's a good player and he's good in the air. Um, and, you you know, from that Blackburn header that he scored. And we were trying to do that too often. And the crosses were poor last night. Not many really landed on his head. So I think part of it is a service. But you could tell Muniz is inexperienced compared to Jagielka and Davis. Certainly in the first half, there are a lot of balls coming to Muniz. Actually, he just stood still. And all the Derby player did was run round him and take the ball. And, you know... It's the basics of go to the ball, don't let the ball come to you. And that happened just a few too many times in the first half, but he definitely learnt from that. And you could tell throughout the course of the game that he was changing. Um, it's difficult because Derby are a physical side and Preston are definitely a physical side as well. So how do you go about that? As I say, it's about the service. It's about having a plan B, which I don't think we did last night. We were trying to lump it into him too often. And every time it was landing on a Derby player's head, so with the right service, I really do think he could score on Saturday if he does start. But I feel like it might be the first time that we've not been winning and that he's played on his own up front because every time he's been brought on, when we've been losing or drawing, it's been with Mitrovic up front. You know, Reading, Blackpool. All right, Blackburn, we were 5-0 up or whatever when he came on. So, um, yeah, it's kind of put him in a different situation for the full 90. So um, mm. I'd be more than willing for him to start on Saturday just as that big striker, tall striker, because I don't think Bobby Reid would win much in the air. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. I mean, I'm not I'm not by any stretch of the imagine get, imagination getting on at him or anything. It's one game, but I, I just think that you you can't replace Mitrovic, can you? So I, I guess he's the he's the closest like for like that we've got in terms of the physicality. So maybe you're right. Maybe maybe that's that's the only option given the way that we play. And given the fact that going away to Preston, you're going to need somebody strong up front. All right, well, moving on then. Um, Matt Dom, back from the dead with 12 minutes to go. Anthony Knockhart's back into the fold. 
one of your favourites. Great to see him back in the shirt, mate. Oh, isn't it just? I mean, <laughs> as, as much as um, I couldn't believe not seeing Mitrovic's name, not seeing Rodak's name in that lineup, I then spotted Nooker and I thought that's even more annoying than those two not playing. <laughs> but, but if he's here and he's willing and he he, he tries and he's, he, he wants to get in the team, then, then so be it. Not going to get on his back too much, but I didn't expect anything from him when he came on. I didn't think he was going to change the game in any way. He he played all right, but I feel like wasn't there rumours that he was going to even be paid off to leave in the summer? I'm sure that there there was talk of that. Um, I I can't imagine he's going to come back from here and become become a Fulham great. But you know, weird things have happened on that. So maybe um, maybe Knockart can do the same. I'm not going to put money on it. <laughs> but um but uh, we'll see how it goes he, he wasn't awful that's about as good as I can um as good a compliment as I can give him for that performance but he didn't have long one one thing I did notice yeah you're right he had he had 12 minutes plus injury time didn't he four minutes of injury time was it so you know 16 minutes I'm used to seeing Anthony Knockout get the ball run with the ball hold on for it for too long and and pick the wrong option and last night in that brief cameo he released the ball very early every time. And I thought, actually, I quite like that. You know, he's, he, he's not trying to win the game himself. He's not running at players, cutting inside and sticking the ball into Rose Ed. And he created that chance to Rodrigo Muniz. Well, he, he, he laid it off, didn't he, to Kenny Tete, I think, who, who whipped it in. And let's talk about that chance as well, by the way, Rodrigo Muniz. I mean, every time I keep thinking about that over and over in my head, it, it goes in the back of the net. I can't believe he put it over the bar, Wigo. I mean, how did it look from what you were saying? You must have been sat right kind of parallel uh, alongside it. I thought he was going to score. Yeah, I'm absolutely in line with it. So, I mean, it was crazy. You, you see the ball come in. And I think he tried it in the first half as well and, and they ended up giving a high foot uh, foul against him. So as soon as you see it, and you could sort of see him lining up for it as well. And I literally just turned to my dad and I went, oh, bloody hell, here we go. And um, it was a lot closer than I thought it was because I think if that had gone in, I'd have been taking my shirt off as well. And uh, it's not Halloween anymore, so uh, <laughs> I'm a bit late to that party. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> but, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take the nil-nil, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it was, it was really good. Really uh, good effort from him, to be fair. Audacious, um, mm. I suppose I could describe it as. But um, yeah, as you say, with Knockout, he did well to create the chance. Can't fault his work rate when he come on his He's always been passionate and he's always worked hard, I think. Yeah, his final product has always been a bit dire. But for him to come on with 12 minutes to go after not appearing all season, and, you know, you could come on with the attitude of, well, sod this, I'm not going to bother trying him. He'd come on, he worked hard, he tried hard, and uh, pulled off a few good passes, you know, worked hard to get on the overlap. Credit to him because he had a pretty decent attitude when he come on. And, you know, he could have had a really poor attitude for uh, the season he's had so far. He did fair enough. I, I think um, I think also the way the way we play with attacking fullbacks as well is going to suit him more. Like obviously with with Scott Parker, we he was quite often the furthest player forward in on the right wing, and he probably didn't have as many options as he, as he has now with cutting in and shooting. That's what he had to do. This time he's got an option to his right as well, and he's he's the sort of player that he'll draw defenders towards him and then create space for the fullback. So yeah, yeah, it, it was a decent enough cameo. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing him again if he, play, if he plays like that. In a world where the entire Fulham squad is fit, 
would you have Anthony Knockart or even Caviero on the bench? I mean, which which one would you have? I mean, the answer to that might be no. <laughs> but I, mean, I, mean, I mean, if it was a choice between either or. Six players on the bench. <laughs> I feel like I'd probably pick Knockart and Don would probably pick Cavalero because uh, we've both got the same opinion about each of the players. Um, yeah, I don't yeah know. I'd go with that. It, it varies, but I, if everyone's fit, I don't know. The squad we've had most of the season when Knockart hasn't been involved and Cavalero has been out injured, has been doing brilliantly. You know, we'd won seven in a row, unbeaten in eight now. I don't think they make it. I don't think the performances from Cavalero have been up to scratch for what we should be expecting for top of the table, really. You know, consistently, Huddersfield, fantastic. On a consistent basis, no, he's not done it. And there have been other players that have and deserve their place in the squad more. All right, he's been injured. Maybe he should have the chance when he comes back to see if he can match that level. If he can't, then unfortunately, I think his place will be up for grabs from someone else. I guess the problem is we don't have many other options, do we? We've got Cabano, who previously has been kind of backup left winger, who is now our best left winger on, on performance. And then obviously we've got Harry Wilson on the right, who... I mean, there's there's not going to be anyone who who betters him for the rest of the season, and then after that, we're forced to kind of use uh, Knockout and Cavallero, really, aren't we? Knockout and Caviero walk into most teams in this division, yeah. surely. And now we're sitting there going, "Oh well, that's all we've got as backup." <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, I they honestly, were... I personally feel like under the right management, they're going to be they are quality players because we look at them for their previous clubs, Knockout absolutely ripped us to shreds on numerous occasions when he was at Brighton and Cavalero tore the championship up when he was at Wolves. I've said it many times that first season when Deco David Reed came in, I thought he was atrocious and we paid 10 million pounds for him. And then in the Premier League, he got better. And this season he's been really good since he's uh, played. So I do think it is partly down to the management and that's not, you know, you know, fully criticizing the last management, but it's a fact more attacking football will bring out the best in your attacking talents. And they've got the potential to be brilliant players at this level. We've seen it before. It's there. We just need to get it out of them. Yeah, no, fair enough. One thing uh, I haven't mentioned and I forgot to mention was that 10 minutes before the end, Muniz almost scored. There was that Fabio Carvalho effort, wasn't there, where um, the keepers kind of parried it. Muniz has followed up, headed it towards goal and... Another inch or so, and um, we're one nil up. Um, but goal line technology ruled that it didn't quite fully cross the line. It was a it was a good enough effort, but again, if that's falling to Mitrovic, I, I feel like Mitrovic sends that ball over the line. What do you reckon? He puts it top corner right under the bar, doesn't he, Mitrovic? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, does, he yeah. has that he has that placement where he just gets it literally right at the top of the roof of the net. Um, great defending. Firstly, you, yeah, Kurt Davis got to the likely place where that ball was going to end up. And Muniz has gone the best place really to put it, bottom corner, away from the keeper. Uh, defenders got there. I have to have to admit, when I first saw it, it didn't look that close. It didn't look as close as it looked when we've seen that, um, you know, the, the the ball on the line thing since the game, which they which was, you know, a matter of inches, isn't it? Really unlucky and... Yeah, it's a shame because I think overall we would have just about deserved to win that. At the same time, Derby would have been harsh on them to not get the point. 
But yeah, I think first and foremost, that's great defending from Curtis Davis. Yeah, I agree. And Wigo, the fact that that didn't cross the line just about summed up how frustrating an evening it was really, didn't it? Oh, mate, you know, you hit the post. Well, did Seri hit the post as well? Or was it the bar? Yeah. Anyway, he hit the woodwork twice. The ball is, you know, a couple of inches from fully going over the line. It's just one of those evenings, isn't it? They happen. And as Dom said, credit to Derby because and the defending there because um, I thought Derby were really good value. And I think, you know, having 21 points deducted can really knock your confidence. And coming out of these two games against us and Bournemouth and taking four points, you'd be absolutely laughing if you were a Derby fan. Um, they were brilliant, uh, for you know, for the level. And I think, I honestly think they will stay up. I really do. I think they've got a bit of character about them. There's still how many games left? There's still a load of games left. They're, what, 15 points behind? I think it's possible. I think they'll do it. And uh, if they keep on with the performances like that, then uh, I think they will be in the championship next year. Unfortunately, though, we won't. They um, they looked pretty good on the, on the counter-attack. We talked a lot about their defending and how well they defended, and that was always going to be what most of their game was about last night, wasn't it? But they looked all right on the counter-attack, and they... They bought another save out of Gazaniga in injury time, didn't they? Yet to turn one round the post. Derby, just looking now, they're they're sixteen points behind Reading on the bottom of the table. It's a big ask, isn't it, to have one point after nineteen games to to ask us to stay up? I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I just I, they, they I probably have to play like a, a top eight, top ten side now. Don't they, for the rest of the season, and as good as as good as they've been, and as much of a as much of a tune Rooney's getting out of them, they're not a top eight side. So I think I, I was, think they'll. I was listening to the. I think it was a Sky Sports podcast, uh, the EFL podcast yesterday, and they were saying that their form now has to be like a top six side. They're averaging like, top and this six, was before yeah. yesterday. They're averaging like one point two points a game, and they need like they need to average one point nine, I think, to stay up. But you're relying on a thirty nine year old and a thirty six year old centre back to remain fit for the rest of the season. And if they don't, they got Richard Stearman on the bench, and they got yeah. Colin Cazin, Colin Cazin Richards up front. So, yeah, it'll be a matter of players remaining fit. But I, as I say, I think they can do it, and uh, we'll see come the end of the season. I mean, I mean fair what? play if they do. Fair play if they do. Mm, that'll absolutely, be, that'll be one of the stories of the championship. That one of the best kind of uh, great escapes that, that, that the league would ever have seen. I would, I would imagine um, they might be relying on Dross. Dross above them being worse. Cardiff, Reading, are they worse? I mean, Cardiff are terrible, but I, I can imagine that, that those two teams will get enough points to be safe. Um, it's a huge ask, but um, it'll be interesting to see. You love a an underdog story, don't you, as a, as a football fan? And as much as we've got history with Derby dating back to the early 80s, I, I'd love it if they stayed up. That'd be that'd be so such a good story. Plus, they've got Liam Rosinia on their... Um, on their coaching staff yeah. as well, who's uh, obviously the, the Fulham connection there as well. So, yeah, good luck to him for the rest of the and season. And they're fighting. They're really fighting. You can see that last night, that they fought for every every ball, every block, every every tackle. You know, they're, they're, they're really up for it. So, that's yeah. good to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, man of the match, lads. Who are you going for? I think I'm, I'm going to go for Fabio Carvalho just because he looked the most likely to score for us and he uh, he's always very entertaining and exciting to watch. So, obviously, we didn't score, but... We came closest for him, so I'm going to go with Fabio. Probably a popular option. Uh, I think Tim Ream. He didn't let anything past him uh, yesterday, and he he was. There, there's sometimes in the championship he just looks so composed and so calm. Passing was on point. He was 
he was doing that thing where he just sort of drops his shoulder and wins the ball from a defender and it looks like he hasn't even done anything. Um, he was doing that all game long, winning headers as well. Really good performance from Tim Ream. And I'm, I'm keep expecting him to start looking tired and start looking, you know, like the old fella he is. He's just, he's improving every game this season. Uh, so fair play to him, long way to continue. He's having a fantastic season, yeah. Yeah, Dom, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Tim Ream was fantastic last night. His passing is brilliant. And as you say, he's improving every game and no way does he warrant losing his place anytime soon. He's been brilliant. He's a real leader on the pitch as well. So composed. It's mad to think, you know, what is he, 34? And he's playing as well as he is. And he, if we do go up, it looks likely, but um, if we do go up, he will be one of the key players for us going up. He's been fantastic. And um, I thought you were yeah, going to say for us in, in the Premier League next yeah, season. So like, oh, yeah. God, let's, let's not jump the gun here, you know. It's uh, one game at a time. <laughs> Fulham. All right, on to Preston then, lads. Preston away. It's an awkward fixture at this point in time, I think. They're in 14th place in the Championship with six wins from 19 games one of which was Tuesday's late win away at Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough. And by the way, Middlesbrough had an absolute shocker at the end there to give away the, the goal that they uh, that ended up costing them that game. But uh, last weekend, they lost at home to Cardiff, having lost 3-0 at Nottingham Forest just before the international break. And they also inflicted Bournemouth's first defeat of the season at the start of November. Frankie McAvoy only took over as manager back in March and fans were already losing patience with their inconsistent form. What do you expect from Preston this season? Do you see them causing us any problems whatsoever at the weekend? Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think they're quite a physical side, certainly at the back. You know, they're capable of beating the teams around us. They beat Bournemouth and they beat Middlesbrough away. Inconsistent, I think that is the key word there. You you know, you lose to a Cardiff side that have been pretty shot of confidence for the last few months, but you beat a Bournemouth side who went unbeaten um, up until that point. So... It's so tricky to call. I mean, they lost a bit of bite when Ben Pearson left last year. He went to Bournemouth because his contract was running out um, and he was always re- willing to get stuck in. Listen, they are where they are. That's kind of where you'd expect them to be, mid-table. I think they had a couple of seasons where they looked like they could get in the playoffs. But, you know, they're a pretty settled championship side. But they can beat us. They did it last time in the championship. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. But it's definitely going to be a tough game. I think the build-up to these games is always quite important and the build-up to most of our games this season, I've kind of felt like we're going to win and I think there's kind of been that vibe amongst Fulham fans because of the way that we're playing and the goals that we're scoring, you think everyone's confident, supporters are confident, the players are confident. This week, getting a result at Middlesbrough, who have been doing okay this season, even though they they parted ways with uh, with Warnock and then they brought in Chris Wilder, you think Middlesbrough would, would start to kick on now. So getting a result away at Middlesbrough is going to give them confidence. Plus, they'll look at our lineup in the week and think, well, if they've got half their team out, then we could really go for this and try and cause some damage. So it's it's not going to be an easy one, Dom, is it? No, not at all. They're, they're one of those teams that loves to cause an upset. That's what's um that's what's playing on my mind. I mean, they they beat Coventry earlier in the season when Coventry were having their their really good spell of form. Obviously, Bournemouth, you've mentioned. They don't seem to they never win comfortably but they also never seem to get hammered and even games we've we've played against them in the championship as well they've they've tended to be pretty close the sort of team physical 
well drilled that that we've often struggled against in the championship i'm not as confident about this one as i have been in recent games that's for sure i mean before derby it was like yeah we're going to win before most of the most of the games in our in our run recently it was like yeah we're probably going to turn up and win but this one i it could go either way it really could the key thing for this one not only is not getting beaten for us but coming out of it not risking players where we don't need to. If Mitro and Tom Kearney and Rodak aren't fit enough to play, then don't play them. We've got Bournemouth next week. And that's more than just three points against Bournemouth because it's uh, it's setting your stall out, isn't it? Um, it's it's laying down your marker and saying, we're better than you. And that is a, it's a big game and we're, we mustn't lose to Bournemouth. And as I said before, there's going to be a lot of players in our squad who are who have got a point to prove against against Scott Parker. And I think we'll, we'll come out as long as everybody's fighting fit and we'll give them a really good game and hope, hopefully beat them. But I, th- I think we can get the points against Preston. Of course I do. But for me, it just depends on how fit everybody is and what, what squad and what team we put out. Wigo, I think you just said we lost this same fixture in the in the Scott Parker season around this same time of year, a couple of years ago. Dennis Adoy was sent off in that game. Alexander Mitrovic scored our, our consolation goal in that game and he's got a great habit of scoring against Preston and he has done throughout his career. But as I said, there's a good chance he may miss the game depending on how well he is. So with that in mind, how do you guys think we're going to line up? I th- I think Mitrovic comes back in. It's it's his kind of game. We saw against a physical derby side that, that Moon is, not that he wasn't up to it, it was kind of a bit of a culture shock for him, I think. And I'd I wouldn't want him to go through two of those in a row. It might affect his com- confidence and we might end up you know, coming out worse. Uh, I'd, I'd put Mitrovic back in if, if he's uh, not still ill. He's going to be much the same, let's face it. He doesn't, he doesn't chop and change unless he has to. I think, again, if Rodak is fit, he'll come back in. Um, I think Marco Silva won't... He won't be looking to rest players ahead of Bournemouth. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that's the case because it, it doesn't... It means a lot to us as fans. It means a lot to some of the players, but it doesn't mean the same to him. He's, it, it's another day. It's another game for, for the team to win. So um, I think he's going to play the strongest team available. Uh, I could see Mitrovic coming back in, Rodak coming back in, Tom Kenny on the bench. Otherwise, probably the same. I think, um, yeah, I think Rodak is available to come back in, I've been reading. So that would be handy. Yeah, the problem, as you say, you don't want to risk players for Bournemouth, but then actually... I don't think you can have that mentality of we should look ahead to the next game because you have to beat what's in front of you first. You're not going to get promoted if you wait until the next game and hopefully don't risk players because you've got to win as many games as you can. So, as you say, strongest lineup possible would be brilliant. If the players aren't fit enough, then they're not fit enough. We've got brilliant depth in our squad um, to be able to cope with that. So, yeah, it would be fine if the players have a hint of illness then don't play them. We want players who are 100% fit. You don't want these players to get even worse uh, on Saturday lunchtime. Yeah, strongest lineup possible and players that are 100% fit would be brilliant. And that's the thing as well. We've been saying it all season, but we've got the squad for, for these types of games. And, you know, if we have to use it, we have to use it. All right, lads, um, let's come on to a score prediction. Don, what are you going for, mate? Uh, I think we take it 2-1 on the proviso that Mitrovic is fit again. Uh, if not, we might we might drop more points. I can see another kind of Mitrovic last minute header uh, to win it for us, uh, like we've like we love to see. Uh, gives a boost going into the game against Bournemouth. Give him a boost going into the game against Bournemouth as well. That'll do me, mate. We go. You're flying up, aren't you? Saturday morning. 
yeah, flying up Saturday morning, going to the Preston game, and then I'm going to the Bolton-Cheltenham game afterwards. So uh, a lot of football for me Saturday, but I'm looking forward to it. So I'm hoping for a 2-0 win. Mitrovic to score both if he's fit. If not, Moon is to score both. I've got faith in him. Um, so we'll see. Let's hope for three points because it's going to be a long old day. I, I, I hope you don't have to leave early to get to the big one in Bolton, no. mate. No, no, no. So that no, reminds it's... me. <laughs> we had a bet last night, it's... didn't we? That you're never oh, making yeah. kickoff at Bolton. <laughs> Easy. It's only 25 minutes from Preston. Game will finish oh, at 20 past two. I will be in the ground and I'll say, I'm going in my Fulham shirt as well. I'll see how I have a coat on. But uh, well, uh, funny enough, I don't, I don't think I'll get started on in Bolton for being a Fulham fan. But uh, well, you never know. So. <laughs> I'll have that tenner off you uh, uh, for, Bournemouth, for the Bournemouth game. And then I'll Never give it to you. It, mate. And I'll give it to you, Matt Dom. I still owe you a tenner from where I said that Scott Parker would still be Fulham manager this season. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so you do, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, cut out the middle, man. We're going we go. Just, just give me a break. tenner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. No worries, Dom. I'll buy a couple of drinks. <laughs> yeah, good. Nice one. All right, that'll do this time, lads, I think. Thanks, as always, for joining. And thanks to you all for listening at home. We'll be back on Monday morning with all the fallout from the pressing game. So thanks for listening and speak to you then. Cheers. Fulham.